J.C. Corcoran Podcast. That's it. I asked you to stop this and you didn't listen to me. I'm sorry, but you left me no other choice. I called the FCC. Oh, yeah, I know all about the FCC. They will clean up all your talking in a manner such as this. They will make you take a tinkle when you want to take a piss. And they'll make you call fellatio a trouser-friendly kiss. Here's the playing situation. There's no negotiation with the fellas at the freaking FCC. They're as stuffy as the stuffiest of special interest groups. Make a joke about your bowels and they order in the troops. Any baby with a brain could tell them everybody poops. Take a tip, take a lesson. You'll never win by messing with the fellows at the freaking FCC. And if you find yourself with some young sexy thing, you're gonna have to do her with your ding-a-ling Cause you can't say penis So they sent this little warning They're prepared to do their worst And they stuck it in your mailbox Hoping you could be coerced I can think of quite another place They should have stuck it first They may just be neurotic Or possibly psychotic They're the fellas and the freaking FCC I'm just getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're a teenage guest is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful look. Did that voice inside you say, I've heard it all before. It's like deja vu all over. It is Wednesday, September 13th, 2023. You are at jconthewine.com, and we are in the midst of a news story that is breaking. An escaped convict who's been on the loose for about two weeks. Apparently, the police were using thermal imagery to track the fugitive, and they got him. No uh, police officers, nobody nobody from law enforcement injured in the process. By the time you hear the podcast, this will probably be old news, so... We won't dwell on it. Instead, we can point out that um, it might be uh, difficult to get around Bush Stadium on Monday night. That is probably going to be the next start for Adam Wainwright. And, uh, you know, this is Cardinal baseball history. Last night, he did it. Two runs spread over five innings. The bullpen was great. Helsley closed it out. Richie Palacios, this cannot be an easy job. You know, you come to work every day. You work out. You get yourself ready to play. And then the game starts, and you're still sitting on the bench. But you got to keep yourself ready because, as was the case last night, Nolan Gorman pulled his hamstring going down to first base in the first inning, and they bring in Richie Palacios, who proceeds to hit two home runs Throughout the course of the game, aiding in the process, Wayno gets number 199, so he's probably got three more chances, three more chances to reach 200, but some of those are going to be on the road. So it is most likely that Monday night against the Milwaukee Brewers will be his next start, and something tells me they're going to sell some tickets. I thought he was going to run out of gas. I wrote this down. Hold on. Yeah, his pitch count was 52 after two innings. Pitch count, I think, was 77 after three innings. And I'm thinking, he's not going to make it 
to five innings, which is how many you got to throw to be uh, eligible for the win. But he managed to do it. And this is something I've been talking about forever. You know, when you're a pitcher and you have a little bit of a lead, which Adam Wainwright had last night, basically a three-run lead for the majority of the time he was in, it just completely changes the way you're able to pitch. When you're even, Steven, or when you're behind, it's just plain and simply not as easy. There's all sorts of things you could do as a pitcher if you've got a three-run lead, and last night he did, and it all worked out, like I said, Monday, it is potentially a very, very big deal. And the weather forecast is not going to be an issue, apparently, because I you know, I was thinking about this this morning. I can't remember the last time I was able to read a weather forecast for St. Louis, especially this time of year, which tends to be a very changeable time, you know, when we start bumping up against the fall. But we had a beautiful day yesterday, and I have a beautiful day today. And as Joaquin Andohar used to say, the one tough Dominican, the nane day and the nane day and the nane day, meaning the next day and the next day and the next day. And this goes... You know, this forecast with a high about 80, overnight low about 54, goes all the way through the end of next week. Not the end of this week, the end of next week. So grab yourself a ticket and go see some history, perhaps on Monday night at Bush Stadium. We live in exciting times. Eric Clapton last night at the Enterprise Center. Everything that I've heard so far is very, very upbeat and positive. They say he sounded absolutely fantastic. Like I said, I I don't enjoy Eric Clapton or his music to the extent that I used to. Now that you find out, you know, he's not necessarily always a very nice guy, or at least hasn't been in the past. He's made a lot of, uh, you know, racially explosive comments. I think if I'm not mistaken, he was also trashing the whole mask and vaccine movement too during the pandemic and you know i'm sorry i'm human i love the music but i just don't love it as much it's the same thing that happened to me at jackson brown i don't know what happened between him and daryl hannah but it was ugly so ugly that neither one of them has ever talked about it but i guess she ended up in the emergency room you know something went terribly wrong and did he slugger I don't know. Sounds like he may have. But those two had an explosive relationship anyhow. I told you that story about when I was uh, interviewing him in Chicago, which is where Daryl Hannah is from. And so they come blowing into Chicago, and he is at the concert venue getting ready to do his sound check. But they're on the phone with each other. She's at her parents' house. They're arguing with one another, and then we're supposed to interview him, and he's got his panties all in a knot. And I'm like, geez, I'm getting too old for this. Something apparently went on between Justin Timberlake and Megan Thee Stallion last night at the MTV Video Music Awards. There was some sort of heated exchange, and I don't know anything more about it. Quite frankly, I don't care anything more about it either, but I just thought I would mention it. On my comments page, on my Facebook page, the uh, showgram with Jay. C. Corcoran, a guy, and I'm trying to read his name, and it looks like it could be Joe Thienemal. Thienemal? I'm looking at T-H-E-A-N. Then I realize it's Joe the Animal. <laughs> God. <laughs> so Joe the Animal posts yesterday, Tim Tebow lasted longer on his wedding night than Aaron Rodgers. That's it. No more calls. We have a winner. And this has also presented a real problem for Packers fans. And there's a lot of them throughout the Midwest and in St. Louis. A lot of people after the Rams left adopted the Packers. We were just talking to Skip Weber the other day from Weber Chevrolet. And that's the way his dad was. The Rams left. And he's like, okay, I'm a Packers fan now. Actually, I think it was when the Big Red left. 
Yeah, when Bidwill pulled out. I'll get back to the Packers thing in a minute, but it just reminded me that it was on this date in 1988 that we took the show when we were on 93.7 KSD, the classic rock station, in 1988, and it was going to be the first football game of the Phoenix Cardinals or Arizona Cardinals, if you prefer. They had left in the middle of the night, and that was earlier in the year, 1988, and so we figured, okay, Let's take the show down there and uh, let's go broadcast live. We'll set up from outside the stadium. We knew that Joe Garagiola from the Hill was uh, living in Phoenix and we called him up and he agreed to be on the show. And so we go down there and earlier in the day, we go to Bidwell's office to see if he'll talk to us knowing pretty much that he's not going to, but we tried. And that way you can at least say, hey, look, we tried. So now... It's late in the afternoon. We do a special, you know, late afternoon, evening edition of The Breakfast Club from Phoenix with Joe Garagiola. We finish up the show. We pack everything up real fast. And now I go racing over to Press Row, the press box area. And this was at Sun Devil Stadium because they didn't have a stadium built yet. So they were using the ASU facility. So I go up there and they don't have any food. Typical Bidwell move, you know. So I just sort of leave my stuff at my little assigned area in the press box and I come flying out the back and I go down maybe one level and I see a concession stand. And so I'm standing in line waiting to get a you know hot dog and a beer or something. And I'm just standing, 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 and I'm trying to take in the situation. You know, that's my job to go down to a situation like that and look around and then tell you what I saw. That's my job as a reporter. You go down, you observe, you look around, and then the next day you say, hey, and then I saw this and I saw this. And I'm standing there waiting in line at the concession stand, and I happen to turn around and standing directly behind me is Bill Bidwell. And he looks at me and I look at him, and he has this look on his face like Dean Wormer in Animal House. I hate those guys. And he just turns and basically ran away. That was on this date in 1988. But anyway, back to this Packers thing. Same thing that happened with the Tom Brady situation a couple of years ago. You got all these New England Patriots fans who, for them, you know, Tom Brady's the second coming, but then he leaves. And now people are like, well, do you still like Tom Brady or do you like the Patriots? And a lot of people didn't know how to answer that question. Well, I like them both, but I don't know. I can't. Eh, eh. I understand the conundrum. It's like Jerry Seinfeld said, and he was talking about baseball, but it's the same thing. It's like basically you're cheering for uniforms. Do we have that? Si- yeah, we got that Seinfeld bit right here. Although team loyalty is a kind of hard thing to justify in the end. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just, it's different guys. Every year it's different guys, yeah. right? Teams will move from city to city. You're rooting for clothes when you get right down to it. It's the same outfits. It's the same. I'm rooting for an outfit. That's what it's come down to. I want my team's clothes to be the clothes from the other city. We're rooting for screaming about laundry here. People will, you know, like a, they'll love a guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then the guy will get traded. He'll come back on another team. They hate him now. Yes, this that's right. the same human being that's in a right. different shirt. <laughs> Boo, get, we hate him now. <laughs> Different shirt. (laughs) So it looks like the Packers fans are off the hook now because Aaron Rodgers, in all likelihood, is done for good. I mean, first of all, 
one of those ankle surgery things involving your Achilles tendon, you will never be as mobile as you were before you had that surgery. I know something about this because I was a candidate for that surgery about, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. And they wanted to go in there and cut it and then reattach it and the whole thing. And plantar fasciitis, same thing. Jose Akendo, I know, had to have that tendon cut and you just never are able to be as mobile and you certainly can't run and you certainly can't run at the level you got to run if you want to play in the National Football League. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's highly unlikely. But my point is this, and don't kid yourself, there's a point here. It looks like the Packers fans are off the hook because unlike New England and Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers can just retire now and he'll always be thought of as a Packer. And if everybody would please rise now, especially if you are a fan of the Green Bay Packers, gentlemen, if you please. A wedge of cheddar. Protects us better when a blizzard hits the tundra. In our tailgate Sunday, we'll go till Monday. And for sure, be so much fun, yeah. With broths and beer, cheese and crackers. In all the cold, there's faith will hold. To stand tall, strong and proud. And always cheer real extra loud. For our Green Bay Packers. I lived in Wisconsin for a while. Let me just tell you something. They are way, way too serious about the whole Packers thing. Now, switching gears to actually a very serious subject, and that involves Colin Kaepernick, because he apparently contacted the Jets yesterday and said, I am available. And the chances of the Jets inviting him to practice for the job or to audition, as the case may be, very, very small. Now, I know this will anger some people, and that's just too goddamn bad because I happen to think I'm right about this. And much the way, you know, the Jackie Robinson thing was, much the way the Kurt Flood free agency thing was, you know, people who were vilified for trying to affect change in a stagnant environment like those people. I really think that 10 or 20 years from now, Colin Kaepernick will be looked back at as an American hero. America just simply was not ready for what Colin Kaepernick was doing. And this is where you get into the whole area of cognitive dissonance. I was just in a conversation with Smash day before yesterday, and we were talking about cognitive dissonance. This is when somebody has an opinion, and you go to them and you present information to them that proves unequivocally that their opinion is not fact-based, and what they believe is false, and you have provided credible information to that person or persons showing them that what they believe has no basis in fact, but then they go on believing it anyhow. Cognitive dissonance. And you can tell people 3,000 times where the whole idea actually came from about Colin Kaepernick taking a knee. And the fact that it is in no way disrespectful of the United States, the United States military, the American flag, or any of that stuff. And you can Proved to them by statements that were made by everybody involved in the situation, and you can prove it. And, uh, you know, they would just rather believe the story that they believe because, I don't know, it's more fun and it's got racial overtones. And, and we know how much racism there still is in this country. This is not a particularly good comparison, but it's the only one I can think of right now. I went into a radio station years ago. This was probably late 90s. I went into a place. I just walked in off the street, and I said, let me see the boss. And they were like, uh, okay. 
And they buzzed him, and the boss came out because I think he thought it was a joke. There's a guy on here saying he's J.C. Corcoran. All right, somebody's pulling a joke on me. And he comes out, and he had this look on his face. Holy shit, it really is you. And to his credit, he invited me into his office. I mean, I'm walking in off the street, no appointment or anything. He was under no obligation to allow me to come in and give me an audience. But he did. He sat down. We were just chit-chatting. And, and one of the things that sort of came out in the conversation, he said, you know what, though? If I hire you, it takes away our villain. You are a great villain. There's people who come into this radio station to work every day with the express idea of, we got to beat that J.C. Corcoran. If I hire you, all of that is gone. Sometimes people just need something to believe in that makes them feel better about themselves. And in a lot of cases, and for a lot of people in this country, you have cognitive dissonance and the need for somebody to hate but I'm telling you, 10, 20 years from now, you're going to start making movies and stuff about the Colin Kaepernick thing. And I'm telling you, the the entire perception of Colin Kaepernick and everything that he's done is going to change. Sometimes you're just ahead of your time. Sometimes the world isn't ready for what you got. I was talking about this on the radio show this morning on KWolf 101.5 and 101.7, and we stream at kwolf.com. This is the 40th anniversary, and it really, really hurts to have to say that because this is right before I moved to St. Louis in 1984. So it is September 13th, 1983, and there was a place where the Buffalo Sabres used to play. It was very much like the old barn. It was called the Odd, the Auditorium, the Odd. It's torn down now. It's been replaced, much like the arena in St. Louis. And this was the place where, when I lived in Buffalo, is where we had our big concerts, too. I remember seeing Neil Young there. I saw Genesis there. I saw Journey there. Given the fact it was a sports arena, it was actually pretty good sound in that place. But it was 40 years ago tonight, the opening act for Stevie Nicks was Joe Walsh. And little did I know at the time what was going on between the two of them. Because Stevie Nicks has talked about it recently and uh, the fact that Joe Walsh was the one that got away. Her one true love out of all of the men that sort of went in and out of her life over the course of her illustrious career, it was her relationship with Joe Walsh that apparently meant the most to her. And so at the time, I didn't know why Joe Walsh was opening for Stevie Nicks. I, all, I only knew that it was going to be a great show, and it was, by the way. But the, one of the other reasons I remember this is because, you know, you go backstage, and especially this is, you know, back then, this is the 83. Things are different now, and it's like trying to get into Fort Knox. But back then, there were all this riffraff, all these groupies, everybody just sort of run around, these radio people, present company included. And there was a local gal that I had seen one or two times before backstage, and she was uh, sort of on the short side, but she was really, really pretty and had two uh, mammary glands, each one the size of a friggin' Prius. And she used to wear these tube tops, and she'd be running around backstage, and you'd think to yourself, I wonder how she got a backstage pass. Duh. So I'm talking trash to her and everything like that. And I just figure that's another groupie backstage. No biggie. That's it. All right. Time for the concert to start. Go out in my seats. I was lucky to have uh, seats in like the second or third row. And I'm going to prove that too because on Facebook, as soon as I get off here, I'm going to post this picture that I took of Stevie Nicks on that night. And I'm like right on her face with this thing. I had a pretty good camera back then. So I used it and got some really, really good shots. So anyhow. Joe Walsh is out there, and he's doing his set. 
And as is often the case during a show, a performer has to change guitars. This guitar is not good for what I need to do in the next song. So he finished one song and took the guitar off. And, you know, as is often the case, a stagehand, somebody in the crew, runs out with the guitar that he wants to use for the next song, hands it to him, takes the other guitar, and disappears off stage. Well, in this particular case, apparently the crew was having a little fun with Joe that night. And lo and behold, bringing him the new guitar was that girl. Except the tube top was gone. And let me tell you, these things were swaying from left to right and up and down and in opposite directions at the same time as she just strutted on stage, handed them the guitar, took the other guitar, and strutted off stage again. The place went crazy, and those were the good old days, you know, where you could do stuff like that, and nobody would get all butthurt about it. Now you even say the word boobs in the wrong company and people want to put it put your head on a stick turning the world into a place that isn't fun anymore and a chance to interview Charlize theron for the first time on this date back in 1996 it was a uh, trip to toronto i forget why they had it in toronto i only know they did and i was like well that'll be great toronto one of the great american cities when i lived in buffalo i used to scoot across on the qe2 parkway which basically did not have a speed limit. You wanted to go 100 miles an hour, you could go 100 miles an hour. It was like the Autobahn in Germany. And so we go up to Toronto and see concerts all the time. I remember seeing Simon and Garfunkel outside at that old place where the Toronto Blue Jays used to play. I saw some other shows up there too. But this movie was called Two Days in the Valley. It was a Paul Mazursky movie. The guy who made, oh gosh, he made... Moscow on the Hudson. He made Down and Out in Beverly Hills with Richard Dreyfus and Bette Midler. And this movie starred James Spader, a then unknown Charlize Theron, and also Terry Hatcher, one of the better looking females cruising the face of the earth during those days back in 1996. And I still remember Jay Randolph, who worked sports at Channel 5 when I was there back in the 80s. He had sent me to a restaurant. He said, Are you going to Toronto? Okay, this was a different Toronto trip. And he said, you're going to Toronto? Li Chi Gardens, best Chinese food in the world. So on that trip, I went, and he was right. And on this trip in 96, I went again, and it was still great. And also, I'm going to blow Cindy Pressler's mind today. Remember Cindy from uh, Channel 5 doing weather? For quite a while. And then uh, she got bounced out of there. They had one of those Armageddons where they got rid of half the staff one day. She ended up down in Florida and now is in Miami and doing great. But she got married on this date. 20 years ago today, and I don't think she knows I know that. And I'm going to post that on Facebook when I'm done here today. It's going to blow her mind because she's going to look at that and go, was he on the guest list? He wasn't at our wedding. How the hell does he know that? But see, JC knows lots of things, and that's why you listen to the podcast. I've said it before. I'll say it again. This Taylor Swift thing is out of control. She won basically everything there was at the VMAs last night. USA Today is hiring a Taylor Swift reporter. Not a music critic, not an entertainment reporter, not a music reporter, a Taylor Swift reporter. In other words, there's so much <laughs> there's so much information about Taylor Swift that people are clamoring for. Your job is to do nothing but write about Taylor Swift. For God's sakes, give me a break. In the Department of Major Irony, the Disney offices in New York infested with mice. So staffers are asked to leave immediately from work 
and work from home until further notice. The source says the building is being set up to be demolished soon, so they haven't been properly keeping it up. But it just shows you, you know, this mouse, bad. This mouse, good. The good one is the one that costs you like thousands of dollars in Orlando every year. I didn't know this story. Sort of cool. Hall and Oates, it turns out, were brought together by gun violence. The year was 1967. Daryl Hall had a band. John Oates had a band. And both bands were supposed to play at an event. But somebody starts firing a gun and everybody starts scrambling. And Daryl Hall and John Oates find a service elevator. And they go running into this thing to get away from this madman shooting a gun all over the place. Well, they started talking and the rest is history. Some outfit called avclub.com ranked the 50 greatest music videos of all time. Sledgehammer, number one. Madonna's Vogue, number two. Michael Jackson's Thriller, number three. That's bullshit. The best video of all time, say it with me. Take on me, Uh uh-huh. I will accept no other opinions. Dolly Parton says, Elvis sang I Will Always Love You to Priscilla Presley as they walked on the courthouse steps to get divorced. They're getting divorced and he's singing that to her. The irony is that Dolly turned down Elvis's request to record the song because he wanted half the royalties. If you're a fan of The Morning Show on Apple TV, third season premiere happens today. The streaming premiere of Pixar's Elemental on Disney+. And I don't have Hulu, but I sort of wish I did because this sounds really interesting. The series premiere of something called The Other Black Girl. It's on Hulu. They say it's a comedic thriller about the increasing tension between two black women surrounded by white co-workers at a publishing company with some sort of sinister secret. I love that description. I don't know what Drew Barrymore is thinking. I've interviewed her a couple of times, too. Very sweet, very nice, for very organic, sort of like an old soul, very much like an old hippie. Even when she was, you know, like, 19, 20 years old. She acted like an old hippie. We had some very, very nice conversations. The A-List Interview with JC and the Morning Show Graham. Actress Drew Barrymore. I have noticed that beautiful women seem to like funny guys. They do. Brilliant discovery, huh? Yeah, it's because humor and intellect is the hottest combination a human being can attain on no matter what level. It's funny how you sort of peel away at a person or open up their shell to use a more poetic metaphor and it's what's inside there you know who is that person and how do they make you feel do they make you laugh are you happy are you like overly thoughtful and like kind of freaking out these are really important questions that you need to ask yourself (laughs) and again drew barrymore is uh, very well liked in Hollywood, but you know, she's got this talk show now and you got the writer's strike. So the show went out of production like everything else, but now she's bringing the show back without writers and the writers are not happy because it looks like union busting. And so they were picketing her show the other day. Like I said, I don't know what she's thinking. Seems like sort of a dumb move. I love this quote from Greta Gerwig says, Kate McKinnon's weird Barbie is a cross between David Bowie and a hairless cat. Sounds like somebody's been doing mushrooms. And, uh, you know, I'll keep this around. I'll keep this story around for reasons that I'll explain in a minute. But Matthew McConaughey was on The View yesterday and gave 80-year-old Joy Behar a foot massage on live TV. Now, I'm going to keep that story around just in case someday I accidentally swallow poison and you call poison control and they say induce vomiting. 
The Beatles song yesterday came out on this date in 65, the most recorded song in history. Scooby-Doo debuted on CBS on this date in 1969. Attica started on this date in 71. Pee-wee's Playhouse debuted on CBS on this date in 86. And 30 years ago today, 1993, a tall Sort of awkward, skinny, red-haired guy replaced David Letterman on NBC's Late Night. His name, Conan O'Brien. And I told this story before. I think I was in fourth or fifth grade, and I used to ride my bike to school every day. And we used to get almost an hour for lunch, and I didn't live that far from home. So on occasion, my mother would say, come on home for lunch today. So I would hop on my bike, ride home real fast, have a hot lunch, and then go back to school. One of these days, I'm driving along, and on a side street about three blocks from my house, I see something like a dumb kid in fourth grade. I roll over it with my bike, but it really goes, and you can quote me on that, by the way. I'm like, what the hell was that? And I circle around, and I look, and it's a wallet, but like a purse-type wallet, like a, a woman's thing. And I pick it up, and I look at it, and there's about 350 bucks in there. So I put it in my pocket, and I drive the rest of the way home. And I get home and I show it to my mom. I go, this is what I found. And so she's like, okay, well, you know, you did the right thing by bringing it home. And we're going to try to find the lady who this belongs to. Well, it turned out that at a supermarket that was maybe, you know, eight, 10 blocks away, this woman had been loading her car up with groceries and put the wallet on top of the car while she was loading and then closed the door, forgot the fact that she had left it on top of the car, and drove off. And at some point, she makes a turn, and the thing just falls off the roof of the car and onto the street, and she has no idea that any of this has happened. So while I was back at school for that afternoon, my mother located the lady. The lady came over later that night to pick up the purse, gave me a whopping $10 reward, which, you know, nowadays would be like 50 bucks, and then drove off into the night. But... When I told this story at school, somebody was listening, and the next thing I know, I got the newspaper call in the house, and I was named, this is a true story, I still have it somewhere in my archives, I'd have to try to dig it out, I was named Citizen of the Week, not in the entire city of Chicago, but you know, in our in our neighborhood, and the newspaper is like, and little Jimmy Corcoran, <laughs> Jimmy Corcoran is Citizen of the Week, they tell the whole story, at which point I go back to school expecting people to go, wow, was that cool? And instead, all my male friends were like, you're an idiot. 350 bucks? Why did you just pocket the money and throw the purse into a sewer? You dummy. So sure enough, got another story today. Minnesota teenager found a wallet full of money while fishing on a lake, returned it to the owner, once again proving that kids are really stupid. And with that, the J.C. Corcoran podcast for Wednesday, September 13th, 2023 is in the can. We're here every weekday morning right at about 11 o'clock every day. And as you know, we're absolutely free. So if you want to spread the word, not only about the podcast here every day, Monday through Thursday at 11, but also the radio show on 101.5 in St. Louis and 101.7 out in the West Plex. We stream at kwolf.com and I'm there every morning from 5.30 until 10. Have a great day, everybody. In the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. The J.C. Corcoran Podcast.